When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Oh What A Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Today I'm joined by three wonderfully groomed men and I thought we'd start by going on the like the, the quaffed scale, how far down the line we are now that we've been in lockdown for this amount of time and the ability to get a haircut has sort of gone out the window. Shauna, you're looking fairly still fairly well put together. What would you say you are in terms of length? Uh, it's okay. It's not as long as it was like in the first lockdown, but I'm down bad at the back, like on the sides and stuff. When I'm you're almost getting a bit to... mullety. A little bit, yeah. When I'm trying to sleep at night, it's just all there at the back, and it's really annoying <laughs> me. It's all just tickling me. Dan, you look but... like you've had a haircut. Oh, I have. Oh dear, I have had one. Oh, that's I a shame. I haven't done a surgery a before you said anything. <laughs> my girl, my girl, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is this. Uh... A, um, a home haircut, and I'm quite happy with it. Did yeah, it with flippers and ordered some scissors online. Oh, phenomenal. In the first lockdown, she did it with nail scissors, which was like, oh. I've never been so tense. I was just <laughs> kind of sat there, and my shoulders and whole back were like seizing up in angst, but I was a lot more relaxed this time. She's done a wonderful job for people that are obviously unable to see Dan. Looks fab. And then Prince Charming himself, Jack Hussey, welcome back to the pod. That oh, is that's... a glorious mane. Well, as you're asking Sean, is his hair going mullety? I can tell you mine is full-on Jerry Francis. Like, it might look <laughs> quite well put together at the front. So, you know, it's quite long hair. But the back is just growing so disproportionately long. God, I want to film yeah, you in slow-mo. showing this in a uh, window as well. So we're kind of losing this in an, in an audio format, but still. Yeah, you're a bit of Philip Seymour Hoffman at the moment. I'll take that. I'll take that. Sort of what era Seymour Hoffman? <laughs> I don't do eras of Seymour Hoffman. Sorry, like, a lot of my knowledge of him is just. Is that when he that, that actually... That's that's when he was at the yeah. lowbrow Seymour Hoffman, wasn't uh, it? Yeah. yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. There's quite okay. a funny basketball scene. Where oh, gets... I love it. If you haven't seen it, I would <laughs> yeah. so recommend it. It's so good. Rain dead. Um, right, so let's get into the thick of uh, let's get into the thick of another fairly disappointing evening for Spurs. It's, it, it, do you know what? It's really rubbish trying to sit there and work out the good bits and the beautiful bits of a performance that was quite tough to watch. And I whacked out a tweet yesterday. And I said, what's worse, 
being the first game on a Saturday and losing and having to watch the entire weekend of football play out and and see loads of other teams pick up points or waiting all weekend in lockdown when there's bugger all else to do and then waiting to see your team lose 1-0. That is tough. Yeah. It's sort of just crap, isn't it? Either way. Yeah. <laughs> what would you... I prefer, I prefer personally getting the games out of the way early and then you can kind of... Well, because for me it's work as well so then I can kind of switch off and draw a line under it and enjoy the rest of the weekend I'm, I'm quite good at just being able to, to, to switch off from from it after the game's been done but when it's when it's the last thing on Sunday night you know that kind of all weekend you know that you, you've got to go to work at the end of it so so personally I'm very much in the, the first camp what about you Jack well you know last night I was just thinking I missed the antiques road show for this you know what I mean <laughs> so, like no uh, it I don't know. I don't know. It's it's. I I've kind of gotten to that stage now where I'm already benchmarking things against Arsenal, and is usually that feeling of like if we have our game first and then they go and win, it makes it worse. But if you kind of have seen them do something first, I feel like it's perhaps not quite as bad either way because we've got that uncertainty of what they are and what they've done out of the way. I can't believe I'm already benchmarking this against Arsenal. That's that's a real sign of where we're at now. Isn't yeah, it? But... it's such a... They've been so naff as well. It sort of mm. hurts me that they're close to us. Shawnee, what about you? Would you rather get it out of the way or would you rather sort of at least have the, the prospect of it maybe being good last thing on a Sunday night? Um, I think... During lockdown, I think I'd prefer getting out of the way because then it's just like, okay, I'm over that kind of mental block. Now I can sit around and do nothing with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was worse when like we could do everything. And then I think the thing that stands out for me is, do you remember when we lost to uh, Burnley under Potch and he like tried to fight Mike Dean at full time? Oh and God, I do remember that one. Yeah, that, that was like a really kind of sour defeat because I think Kane came back from injury and it was like, oh, we're gonna be good again and. We Kane had scored in that game as well. Yeah, he did, yeah. So we lost. And I remember that just kind of really ruined my weekend. But yesterday it was just like, oh, we lost. I can't even remember, like, if you told me to name five things Spurs did on the ball yesterday, I could not tell you because it's just, it's already, it's already gone in and come out again of my brain. Just that's it. That's where we're at now. I wonder if anyone's still listening at this point. Like, we're literally so <laughs> down on it. Literally scared everyone off in the first five minutes. Um, but, yeah, no, I know what you mean, Shorty. And we, we will try and, and take some good bits, bad bits, ugly bits, beautiful bits and, and, and cobble together a podcast off the back of losing one. Really, it did feel a little bit Dr. Tottenham yesterday, didn't it, Jack? Oh, I mean, how else can you put it? I've seen a bit of a a backlash against Dr. Tottenham, this kind of like, of course this is going to keep happening if our fans have this mentality. <laughs> I mean, I really object to that for a start. Like, you know, because there's this kind of idea that what, that if we make a joke about Dr. Tottenham, that it's going to manifest in that way on the pitch. Well, all right, then I'll spend every day thinking about us winning the title and then maybe we'll win that. Yeah. Like, come on, grow up. But... It was also the thing we were accused of as Spurs fans. It was always the thing that you were accused of when you were, uh, 
I can remember any time Spurs got excited about anything, it was always a case of get back in your box, calm yeah. down. You guys are never going to do this or that. And then when you actually have a bit of sort of black humour and just take the piss a little bit, it, you can't really win the other way either. I think it was, uh, weren't they the only league side um, or kind of team above the conference levels that were yet to register a home win this season? And yep. also Trussard, who scored the winner, hadn't scored since the opening day of the season either. I mean, that's just perfect, isn't it? Like, come on. Yeah, just running through the tick sheet of the, you just kind of felt it was going to happen. Though I wasn't. Uh, let's let's go with the the kind of good bits. Well, and this is, I mean, it's it's a bit punchy, but Jose said in post match, it's better to be a. T- it's, Dan, I'm going to butcher this quote, so apologies in advance. He said something along the lines of, "It's better to be a team that's sad." It, it, that it's more salvageable if the team is sad than lacking in confidence. Was that right? I didn't hear that bit in the written no, in, in, press in the, in the press. Did you say that to the TV? I think I think it might have been a, a TV piece. But basically, he he'd made this. I don't know if he made the point in the press conference. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he said that he felt the team was was sad and that we needed to give players. The the understanding that that human beings too, and and that sometimes it yeah he certainly hard. said that. I mean it it was what we can definitely say is it was it was a marked change of tone for Mourinho because after the Liverpool game he was almost kind of going to war with his players and he was very critical of the individual mistakes again and that that was also true after the Fulham game. So the last two home games he's dug out basically the defence for individual errors and said. They've they've scuppered the entire game plan. Whereas last night, you know, he arguably he could have taken a similar attack, given that it was, I guess, a defensive lapse for for Brighton's goal. But he was much more sympathetic. It was more along the lines of the players are, are human beings. They've got feelings. They're low on confidence at the moment. I understand that. It, it was an arm around the shoulder uh, rather than a dig. So that that was that was noteworthy. Um, so I think we'll come on. The one thing that I want to say for the beautiful is Togo Alvaro's block on the line. Um, and I, we can get into that in a little bit more depth. Um, but it is, it is definitely a change in in the way that he's gone about things. I wonder, Shawnee, do you think that's because of what happened at, at half-time the other day? Um, I'm not sure. It feels like some, something has changed, and whether it's that whether it's something else that you can see like because you're right we could, we could have gone down the route of it's the player's fault and again and I it, really it kind of would have made more sense to have been arm around the shoulder really after the Liverpool game rather than this one because at least with the Liverpool game like there were like the the errors were so kind of obvious whereas in this one there was just nothing it was just so flat from back to front with the ball without the ball like I just said like I couldn't remember anything from the game really that we did like it's it's just a complete blank like I've, I don't I don't know I feel like with that there's just a, such a malaise around the club at the moment and that's going to take some real kind of mental strength to come out of obviously and we'll come on to it like a winning at Chelsea would be good but I don't know how he even gets to that point to even say that's a possibility let's um 
I, I, I feel like I'm going to be clutching at straws if I try and drag out too many good bits. And I also feel like it's disingenuous as well. I, I just don't think that losing 1-0 away to a side that were, what, 17th in the table warrants a lot of a lot of praise. And I think it's important to be honest and authentic and takes on this. Let's move on to the, the bad stuff. Um, and I'll, I'll give everyone kind of free reign here to kind of pick out a thing that... Uh, either annoyed them or was just just poor but i'd like to start with the uh with the wing backs i thought it was a really strange choice in terms of the um the the, the wing backs that we selected asking for creativity from ben davis and sissoko is is quite punchy and when you don't have harry kane in the side i wonder Sure, if you first dibs on this one, did it leave us just in in dire need of someone to create something from elsewhere, and, and it almost put, it overextend us too much? It felt like we were just waiting for something to happen, like we were waiting for a moment of magic from Son or Bay or whoever. And I think that you mentioned the fullbacks. I think the funny thing is when Jose was asked about playing like about Aurea he said it was a technical decision he said it was a good one because he thought Sissoko played well <laughs> I was like okay we're at this point are we um but uh, I, I will I will admit like to not have either of Aurea and Regulon is a bit of a that's that is a miss because we saw against Sheffield United how important it is to kind of have those two basically as wingers but j there was no kind of idea from anyone with what we were going to do and I, I, I've seen like criticism saying like it was a team filled of which no one could really pass the ball. I want to challenge that and say the, these are professional footballers. They can pass the football. And if you don't believe me, go look at the kind of squad that Leeds have in defence and in midfield because they can all pass the ball. And you wouldn't look at their squad and think, oh, wow, it's a team full of passes. They can all pass. That's coaching. That's real coaching. A coach can make players pass the ball. They can make the players get the ball off the pitch. I'm not having the obviously the players got to take some responsibility because they're the ones that went out there but it's you can't shy away that this is that's a that comes from the top that comes from the top Doherty was available yesterday a new sub Dan are we, any reason why he was overlooked was it just a performance you reckon against Liverpool yeah I think he just paid the price for mistakes against Liverpool as did obviously Dyer and and Aurier but I think on the fullbacks, I mean, I just think it was a poor choice to persist with that system without, as you guys say, Regulon and, and Aurier or Doherty, because those guys really make that system. You know, I think with a fully fit squad, that setup actually really suits this squad. You know, it offers protection to centre halves who haven't looked particularly confident and solid in the two. And it gets the best out of fullbacks who are great going forward, but but questionable uh, when put under a lot of pressure at the back. And that's true of kind of Regulon, Doherty, and Aurier. They're all better going forward. So I totally get why Mourinho switched to that formation in the first place. But I think once he'd lost Regulon and decided that Aurier couldn't play, probably for for kind of personal behavioural reasons, and decided that Doherty wasn't in the form to play, then he perhaps should have gone back to a four or, or changed the system in some other way. So I think he got he got that wrong last night. And, you know, it's, it's a bad sign that in the last two games so against Liverpool and 
last night he's changed the system at half time you know with subs and gone back to a four you know that's that's an admittance that it's not worked from the start and it really begs the question of you know why didn't he go with Vinicius from the off you know he was on record saying that Son, Bergwijn and Bale aren't strikers he said that about all three of them and yet he left the only centre forward he does have on the bench for 45 minutes and and undoubtedly there was an improvement with Vinicius on but actually listening to what Mourinho said afterwards he kind of suggested that you know, confidence-wise, the damage was was already done by half time, and you know Spurs had already shipped the goal. They'd already been playing poorly. The the pattern of the game was already set, and I think there's probably something in that. You know, they, they'd been so bad in the first half. It's it's kind of quite difficult to to completely lift yourselves and turn it around, especially on a, a freezing night uh, at Brighton. I just I think the main sort of part from this that I wanted to touch on that like the other guys have fed into quite nicely really is the whole thing to me was just indicative of the problem we sort of seen with Mourinho over the past few weeks in that we I think you can't completely throw him under the bus we do have personnel issues but where I really am starting to scrutinize Mourinho and I'm coming to this from a position of somebody that has never been particularly fond of his um but have been willing to give it a chance in Tottenham's best interests and oh you know how big of me but it's still you know what I mean like it <laughs> and uh <laughs> and I just think you know the wing backs for example we, as you said Ben you know you're not gonna get what you need from Ben Davis and Sissoko in that system so why why are you trying to shoehorn players into a system that you know you don't have the personnel to, to do. And it, it, it just seems to be this pattern of behaviour of Mourinho, whether it's it's a kind of stubborn reluctance to, I don't know, to, to, to back down from how he feels we should be playing and a failure to adapt to what he has at his disposal or if he is somehow being given assurances by the way people are maybe performing in training, or I, I don't know, but but from from the layman perspective that I occupy, when I watch Tottenham, I, I just have seen now, probably since Christmas, um, a team that is continually not fit for purpose on a personnel level. So so do something different. Try try something with the players that you that you have available to you. Um, I mean, just to sort of it's it's not really to kind of go against what you were saying, Sean, but just to sort of pick up on the on the passing point because I do think that something that had been noted previously in terms of players doing the basics, should we say, so things like kind of just crisp, clean passing, was something that was picked up a lot under Pochettino's tenure as well. I, I often found that people would talk about we had this unit that was very fluid, very cohesive, very dynamic, but sometimes we fell down in just having players that could just, at times, just take it to basics and just do very practical, boring things, which I think, for example, we've had somebody like Hoybier come in who just seems to be a very solid footballer. He just seems to know his role and to be able to execute it very well. Um, and I can't help but think at the moment our squad was still kind of built up of a lot of players who act very much on 
maybe like a type of instinct. We, uh, we have a lot of like spectacular players. Like uh, when I think about like Son, I think about Delhi, who yeah, okay, he's not playing at the moment, but even even to a degree, players like Mora, maybe someone like Bergwijn. We have we have a lot of players who are capable of these kind of brilliant moments. But sometimes when we need to kind of dig in and just do the boring, the ugly things. I do sometimes question whether or not, you know, because we've all, we've all in the past, I know I have, I've scoffed at people saying Jordan Henderson's a good player. You know, and this is, this is years ago. But now suddenly, when, when you've seen Jordan Henderson providing a platform to these other great players who Liverpool have added on top of that, Mane, Salah, Firmino to you know, a lesser extent, but then you're suddenly like, that's why a player like that can be great. And maybe that is an element that is still missing from Tottenham, just more solid, dependable, six out of ten every week type players. I don't know. but I think to pick up on that, it was irresistible to draw comparisons with the game there last season, the, the 3-0 defeat, which was really the nadir of Pochettino's reign, I think was the game that made it pretty clear that the players kind of weren't <laughs> playing for him or, or that his tenure was was gradually coming to an end and he only lasted about a month after that before obviously Mourinho came in. And I had a look back at the the two teams, the team from last night and the team from that game and, and eight players played in both matches. And I think when t- players, you know, the same players fail so drastically for two different managers, then you know the, the natural conclusion is that they're not good enough players or, or that there's something rotten in the heart of the squad. And this is really just to play devil's advocate because I know that a lot of blame has, has gone on Mourinho today. But I, th- I do think, you know, clearly that there are players in that squad and they're the same players that, that Pochettino had at the end that just aren't good enough. And, and th- I think three of the back four were, were the same in October 2019 as they were last night. Oddly, Sissoko also played at right back in, in that defeat at um, Brighton under Poch. So that there are, as Jack says, there are kind of personnel issues there. But I have to say, for me, I, I couldn't look past a lot of Mourinho's decisions for, for the main reasons for last night. I, I, I personally think the setup was wrong. The substitutions were funny. Um, the tactics all season um, have almost been building to this point. You know, there, there's been far too much conservatives and far too much kind of get a goal and then and then sit on it and it's left the players just totally unsure kind of what to do you know whether they should be going forward how they should be going forward and there's also just been a, you know I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to this but there's just obviously been a huge reliance on Kane and take him out of the team and it was Spurs just didn't know how to attack last night I mean Mourinho kept putting on new forwards and nothing, nothing was changing because no one knew how to get the ball to them and, and when they got the ball they didn't know what to do with it so it it was a, a consequence of having relied so heavily on this kind of wonderful player to both score most of the goals and, and also create the vast majority as well. It does make you appreciate with him, doesn't it? When you see when he's not in the side, Sean, just the level of what he does, it, it seems to range from the defensive side being incredible in the box from set pieces and clearing things to carrying the ball out of defence, to being the guy in transition, to finding the pass for the flying forward who goes beyond him, and then scoring goals and leading the front line as well. It's kind of... It, it, it makes you reflect on just how good he is. Mm. 
it's actually made me think of a quote Mourinho said in his press conference after the Liverpool game where he was talking about how Van Dijk's absence kind of could affect Liverpool at both ends of the pitch because it just means they don't have that stability at the back, which means the forwards, like, their roles are a little bit more different and that kind of could explain some of their worries this season. And now you're seeing it with us where you take Kane out, who has been this kind of just the centre of really the us on the pitch. Like he's, He does everything. Like I remember, do you remember the Arsenal game where for Son's goal, Kane kind of well, just drops all the way into hour and a half, just beats off three defenders and just turns away like it was, it was like he got an assist for like a five yard pass in his own half but there are so few players in the world that could have had that kind of gravity around them that could have brought those defenders to him like that to get past them and yeah I will admit that not having Kane is just so big on both ends but we have to find solutions there is still talent in the squad um but but yeah I, I it, it certainly raises Kane's stock and I think whenever he comes back I think we're looking at what two weeks it wasn't that serious in the end like got a bit lucky there didn't we yeah so yeah so hopefully that is hopefully that's not the last of his injury worries this season and when he comes back we we can find a real solution again this is one of the things I find quite weird though Jack there does seem to be this kind of like again I should put this disclaimer out Twitter is not the right place to go if you want measured discussion but there, there is this real split on Twitter around the players aren't good enough and Mourinho's the the one to to blame for the last couple of performances and the conservative style of football. For me, the way that I look at it, I was like, there should have been enough on the pitch. In terms of the personnel, there should be enough on the pitch to get past Brighton yesterday, you know? I find it really difficult to get my teeth stuck into that that argument that these are players that are just not good enough. You know, the same well, players at the beginning of the season we were talking about how great our squad depth was. And this is this is kind of like you know when we talk about like all roads lead to Rome. It, it, the thing that worries me about it is that I think it was Hunter of this parish who uh, who actually tweeted something out earlier about you know the the. Mourinho's time at, at Real Madrid. Um, the peaking manual. His, yeah. Mm. It, uh, and you can't help but think that... Because I've kind of... I've taken umbrage with this notion that Spurs are over-reliant, shall we say, on Kane and Son. Because I think it does... It, it sort of veers into that territory sometimes of like shock horror team relies on their really good players to be really good you know i kind of find it that kind of reductive type of criticism that is sometimes a bit stupid um and just obvious but but come on that there's only been one team in the premier league era that's had a higher percentage of their goals. If, if you let me finish, players. Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. No, no, it, yeah, it is a fair point. But... <laughs> well, I was joking. Yeah, yeah. That is so good. No. Um, Where are you but... going with this, mate? Come on. <laughs> you know I never go anywhere with anything I say, mate. But it, 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 it's ultimately, you know, you, you're starting to see now that, well, yeah, have we just relied on, okay, not Kane and Son to be brilliant within a system that Mourinho has kind of built that they are 
optimally placed to get the best out of, it is ultimately a sense that, you know, Mourinho seems to have built a system that is like, go on, Kane and Son, do what you do. You two link up really well and then just leave all the rest of it to everyone else. But now Kane's out of the team. You've got Son who seems to be struggling to really find a connection with anyone else and you know, have the same sort of potency or threat that he once carries. Um, and you cannot help but think... I think, And I think that was just the overall thing. You know, we were looking for positives from that Brighton game. I genuinely couldn't find any. I couldn't see anything there that made me think, well, you know, at least... No. You know, they're just... It just looked like we were a team that was like, okay, well, we, we're obviously very well drilled defensively. Okay, there was a lapse in that, but that comes back to the personnel issue. But still, you know, we didn't ship three goals like we did against them before. And there was a foundation there, clearly. But what we completely lacked was that attacking threat. And that does come back down to the fact that, yeah, we are just over-reliant on Kane and Son's, like, Connect, yeah, telepathic partnership. I'm wondering, Dan, what did it look like from in the ground in terms of Son? Because obviously we didn't have enough of uh, enough possession in dangerous areas or in transition where we could actually make the most of his talents. But how did it look from your perspective? Because you've obviously got a much better view in terms of what he's doing off the ball when he's not the most important player on the pitch and was there an issue with work rate or was it just that he just was the game was just passing him by or that we weren't playing to his strengths I think he looked a little lost I wouldn't have said I had a better perspective on it than anyone watching at home really I mean I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you something that Son did in the game that kind of impressed me I can't think of a moment off the top of my head now I can't think of anything he did do you know, do you know what I mean I, I think he he just looked very lost with, without um, Kane. But I think, actually, in, in perhaps it, in fairness to Son or, or in critique of further critique of Son, I think he's actually gone off the boil for, for a while now, to be honest, even before Kane was injured. I think he was kind of massively outperforming his, um, his XG. Um, and he's kind of just levelled off and, and almost just come back down to earth really and again Spurs were sort of relying on him to to <coughs> work miracles essentially and and Kane and I think they're they're now suffering as a result of that of that reliance on those two but yeah I mean Son didn't do much I mean Jack said he couldn't think of anything good I, I think Carlos Vinicius was encouraging like it was obviously better when he came on and that was a very low bar because the first half was probably among the worst halves of football Spurs have played you know in in a long in years you know in a long long time but i thought when Vinicius came on that there was at least a focal point and you know it surprised me given that Mourinho is is you know so obviously wants that focal point you know he so obviously likes having a target man in the team and he talked about it so much last season it was a bit of a surprise that he's Used Vinicius so little and, and didn't start him last night. But I thought he he was decent. You know he had that back post header and then he forced a, a deep, really good save against Sanchez. And that effort could have actually nicked a, a really undeserved point for Spurs. But um, think, um, is this is, is this part of the reason though why? Because it it kind of feels like in summary there is 
maybe why we're not seeing Carlos Vinicius more. He did a lot that was promising, but ultimately, we still lost one nil. You know, he didn't. He he didn't do what he was required to do. Um, I mean, I think that that's that's an overly harsh assessment of it. Because I mean, I think, I mean, like Bale and and Son and and Lucas and Lamella and Bergwijn were all also kind of required to do that job, weren't they? And they they didn't get as close as he did, so. By he's comparison, the focal with point, the rest of the forwards. That's it. He's he's the the arrowhead. The focal. You're just point. trying to wind me up now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the ugly bits. I feel like we've got to do the discussion oh, around God. Gareth Bale because it it, it it they went huge on it pre-match. I have to say I didn't agree at all with Graham Souness's take that Gareth Bale needed to stamp his feet and come out and say <laughs> things in the media and start. I mean, it was almost like he forgot who was in ch- like who the manager was of the football club. He was saying Bale was in his prime years at 31. I was like, what the hell are you talking about, Graham? Yeah, he sort of made a very tentative connection. To the, well, I was in my prime at 31. So all players from their prime at 31. Sort of, it was very odd. I, like, yeah. I didn't agree with that at all. But having said that, I was. De- I think, Jack, you and I spoke before the game. We were both just desperate for him to have a biggie. Do you know what I mean? Did you go out there and just just bit of electricity or a bit of spark? And you saw signs of life against Wickham and thought, okay, just a little extension on that. Um, sorry, go on, mate. It, well, I was just going to say, it's like it's almost like the moment from the office. That's that, that's what I was thinking. I wanted yesterday from Bell. You've got kind of. Finchy and Neil as say like Zidane and Mourinho. Bale just comes in like, what are you? What are you just fuck off, you know? <laughs> and he goes out and just does it, and he and he has it, but it just didn't happen, did it? And if any, because this is the the ugly. What I couldn't escape from with with Bale is that because to this point I've often felt he's actually been a bit unlucky in a lot of what he's done. I've kind of seen him trying and he's looked really good in kind of tight spaces and he he, he can see the, see he's got something extra to his game. There's that little peppering of world class, if you like, in, in a lot of what he does. And it just hasn't kind of come off for him yet or he hasn't been afforded the time to do it. Yesterday, it just kind of felt a little bit like he couldn't be asked, And it, it didn't really... It, I think Alan not, Smith not, said he he yeah. jogged he says he, he jogged off the pitch in the same way that he jogged through the game. Yeah, he, you know, and it was it was quite disappointing. It's that kind of oh, maybe you're not that asked. I don't know. It's that kind of uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. having that, to accept that maybe he just ain't that bothered. I think in defence of him there, I think you could you could probably argue that if he didn't look asked, then a lot of them didn't look asked. Oh yeah, completely. I, I I think that just physically he is nowhere near the specimen we not even that that used to be the one that we expected to come back. Like there, I think there was a point where he was getting outpaced by Lewis Duncan, Adam Webster, and I reckon I could skin those two over hundred yards. So, <laughs> but I think, but it's not so much just that, is it? It's sloppy passing. It's kind of speculative, kind of. Long ball seemingly to nothing that won't even hit that well. That you'd expect more from Gareth Bale, and, I, and again, I, I get it. I get that the whole team didn't perform well, but this is Gareth Bale. Like he's a he's supposed to be there to lead by example and inspire the team on to doing better things than 
you know, I, I I don't know. I just feel like there's a there's a slight dereliction of his duty there, really. Yeah, I, I think. The, I just the wonder point, how much. Down, I wonder how much is just not trusting his body and and just fear that if he breaks into a sprint, you know, something's going to go. I mean, he's made no secret of the fact that his his priority in his career is Wales, and and he will be thinking all the time about the Euros. I think he's even said, you know, coming back to Spurs was basically so he could get fit and be in peak condition for the Euros. And I just wonder if he's still feeling a bit creaky, and and he's just worried if he if he yeah breaks into a sprint or you know, runs around for ninety minutes, something's going to tear, and he's going to miss that tournament, and and. You know, that's obviously not a great position for Spurs to be in, but he just doesn't look to me like someone who, who really kind of trusts his own body. And I think Mourinho's more or less said the same. Um, and, you know, if, if that's the case, then, then there's you know, the, there's no real solution to it apart from just to, you know, try and keep building up his fitness gradually. But obviously, it's kind of running out of games, aren't we, really? And Mourinho said he needs... Bale to step up while Kane's out. He said it's a crucial time for him, but yeah, I think based on his performance last night, you know, there's there's no guarantee he starts against Chelsea on Thursday. I was going to say, do you reckon he will start on Thursday? At the moment, no. I mean, I, I think Vinicius probably has got to get the nod right, given that he, he had a decent half, and the, and then Bergwijn and, and Son are you know very much Mourinho's guys, especially in that type of game where again we, we probably know it's, it's going to be a, a sort of contain and counter approach particularly against Tuchel's side um, I mean I think what changing the subject slightly what would be quite interesting for Chelsea is obviously they've they've used wing backs quite effectively under Tuchel um, so I wonder if Mourinho sticks with, with that system and kind of matches up with them or goes back to the four and I really hope he doesn't try and match up with them because as we said he just doesn't have any available decent options at full back at the moment yeah, particularly, a wing back, sorry. particularly given that it's it, it's Hudson Odoi as opposed to someone slightly deeper. It's it's a very aggressive mm. fullback on on the right hand side. Let's uh, let's move on to the the beautiful bit. There was only one in the game really to to pick out, but uh, it was quite fitting, Jack, that it was Alderweireld with blood sort of running down his face, making that block on the line. Yeah, I mean, it was that kind of it was one of those sort of like. Gammonly images, isn't it? Where you're just like, go on, lad, have it. You know, that's football, proper football, lad. Like, but you can't, I don't know, it muster something horrible in me, that that kind yeah. of tub thumping, chest beating, meat off the bone type. <laughs> you know? Um, but it was brilliant. It was sublime. I mean, that's, it was a shocker from Connolly, though. He got. He, oh, lazy, he, wasn't it? Oh, he's awful. He, he has to be putting that away. And his manager, if they, if we'd have gone on and equalised from there, oh, he would have yeah. been, he would have been for it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think also the the sort of if if he does that at one nil, that's one of the best pieces defended all season. It's kind of sad that it won't be talked about again this season because Spurs lost the game and sort of faded into its significance. Onwards and upwards though, let's talk about Chelsea and let's let's get into the thick of that. So Dan's mentioned the, the formation they will look to play. Shortly, what's your take on the on the Chelsea game? I think that if when I look ahead to the Chelsea game, I've obviously been very critical of Mourinho. I mean I'm updating this bloody spread to saying have we played well and more often than not, like ninety percent of the time it's no. But I think Mourinho will look at this game against his former club 
against a manager like Tuchel, who's like really kind of seen as this really kind of master tactician who can get his team playing well. And I think Mourinho is gonna. I think Mourinho will get try and gear himself up for this and just be like, okay, we're this is this is it. We if we can't get through this, then there's no point. So I think he knows the importance of this game, and he personally has more of a stake in this game as well. And I think we're going to see some surprises. I think we're going to maybe we'll see the wing back matchup. I think I think we'll, I wouldn't be surprised if you know it's Son in the middle and he's flanked by Lucas and Lamella. I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing Winks as a right wing back instead and Sissoko in the middle. Like I think this is the perfect game for Mourinho to try and get get back on the kind of horse again. So I'm trying to remain positive with that because I know that by half time on Thursday I'm going to feel like that is the worst half of football I've ever seen. I have to put this out there and just to, again, sort of play the other side, Jack. There's a massive pressure that comes with that though too, isn't there? If Spurs, I don't want to think about it, but I feel like it's practical to think about it. If Spurs do lose against Chelsea, it's we're in a spot, aren't we? Yeah, and... It just, I think on the on the on the flip side of a lot of the Doctor Tottenham stuff, right? I think we can obviously turn it all onto ourselves, but I mean Liverpool was a was a notable example, right, of Doctor Tottenham. But when you kind of try and just flip the narrative a bit, well, actually, Liverpool had been improving slowly. They looked very good away at Old Trafford, even though they did lose. So, you know they've kind of come out of their own rut should we say brighton again i think there was i think there was a stat to show that yeah okay they hadn't won at home and they had not really scored many goals but i think and me of all people calling on the xg i think there was something like <laughs> they had they had been somebody they'd basically been like a bizarro son in that they'd completely undersold their xg um, so it was kind of one of those things where it's just like it was. It, it stands to reason that sooner or later they were going to start scoring, and they were probably going to win because defensively they were still fairly sound. They were just struggling to convert chances, and again have capitalised on Tottenham, who are low on confidence and in a bit of a rut. Um, and so, yeah, I mean there is always going to be this pressure. You've got a player like Werner who's not scoring, who. Oh, annoyingly, God, I didn't even think of that. Well, I didn't but, even but, think of that. But you think about it annoyingly as well. In that's a kind classic of, Dr. Tottenham. But in, in a system that we're now playing, where you know you can target and get in behind our wing backs, that's that's just food for a player like Werner, who who completely operates in those kind of spaces, who comes in off wide and can drift in and do what he needs to do, and that's something I think Tottenham have struggled with a lot, and I, I can just see that one happening but I mean yeah we, these things can snowball right and if what we hear about kind of you know how, how much there is a poison there should we say in the squad how much there is this idea that the players are turning against him I mean I'm I'm, st I'm still not convinced fully by that the senior players the you know the should we say the figureheads of the team still seem to be from what they're saying invested in Mourinho and appreciate what he's doing so maybe it's just a lot of players who weren't good enough for Pochettino 
are still not good enough for Mourinho, but Mourinho's the guy that's more of an arsehole to them. That maybe, you know, we've spoken about this long, painful rebuild, Pochettino's own words. Maybe it was painful to him, but maybe it's not painful to a guy like Mourinho. Maybe Mourinho is that guy that just says, you're not good enough. You're not good enough for this team. You're not playing well enough, you know? And whether that poison spreads to this whole idea of he's lost the dressing room or maybe it's just that he's just not placating the egos of people that we've all said for years are not good enough for Tottenham to, to stay in contention at the top of the table. And thus, why we're so inactive in January in a transfer window is beyond me. But... I- I think it's going to be an interesting pod on on Friday, on where the one way or the other. If we come away from uh, from that on with a win, it'll feel like all's rosy and we can start looking back towards top four. And I dread to think where we'll be if it's a if it's a defeat and three defeats on the spin, two of those coming at home against people we see as direct rivals. But um, thank you so much to to Jack and to Sean and to Dan for coming on off off the back of a a, a really rubbish evening. Um, Make sure you do subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and leave us a rating and a review. It would be very much appreciated. We'll see you all on Friday where hopefully we're sitting here talking about a, a, a very, very good result against Chelsea on Thursday night. Touch wood. What a feeling, what a night. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.